Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Well, here we are for our first official podcast of the Agronomy and Farm Management series. A few weeks ago, we didn't think winter would end and planting would begin, and then all of a sudden a window opened up and there were a lot of farms that were able to get 50% or more of their planting done that first week of May. Unlike last year, we haven't had a harsh cold front move through and ruin all that hard work either. So hopefully that continues. The extended forecast looks pretty favorable for getting plants out of the ground. Um, Unless you have a cold front planting study like I do, then you kind of hope for um, bad weather. But that's okay. We had a good uh, year for it last year to get some data. So Elizabeth, what on-farm research projects do you have going on this year? Well, as part of the eFields program, I have some seeding rate studies going out that we're using to improve our variable rate seeding recommendations for both corn and soybean. One I'm particularly excited about, though, is the nitrogen decision study that we're using to look at the different types of data we can collect in season that could help farmers make nitrogen timing and rate decisions. One important factor we're considering in this research is how much weather impacts our nitrogen needs. So to get an idea of what we can expect this growing season, we've invited Aaron Wilson, the Senior Research Associate at Bird Polar and Climate Research Center. Mm. And you have somewhat recently gained an extension appointment, which we love, by the way. Welcome. Yes, I have. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Elizabeth. Let's start by looking at this past winter and spring. How does it play into what we'll see this growing season? Yeah, so certainly we... uh... We've had this, these cold conditions that have extended uh, much of late winter into spring and have really challenged the early planting or early activities here with the farmers throughout the state. Uh, a lot of this, um, the result of our La Nina pattern that we have. So let me describe that a little bit. Uh, we look to the tropical Pacific Ocean to look at the sea surface temperatures and how they compare to normal. Uh, when they're cooler than average, we call this a La Nina. Uh, that's the situation that we've been in for the past couple of months. The opposite of that, of course, would be warmer than average temperatures, which we call El Nino. Uh, For La Nina conditions like we've experienced this year, it really has an influence on the moisture availability. So so we tend to have an active pattern, uh, frequent uh, systems moving through, and a lot of precipitation. And and because of that precipitation that we've seen and the wet conditions, uh, it's really helped keep temperatures down a bit as we've um, progressed from winter into, into early spring. So how are we looking out there right now? Um, I know there's a lot of variability across the state talking to other farmers and extension educators um, as far as soil moisture, um, growing conditions, planting progress. Yeah, so as I mentioned with uh, the La Nina conditions, we, we pretty much much of the state is very wet soils. Uh, and like you said in the opening, we, we've opened up here in the beginning of May Uh, much warmer conditions, drier conditions, extended days of dry weather. And this is, uh, you know, allowed parts of certainly uh, southern and central Ohio to really, you know, get out there and and planting in terms of the fields. We're we're sitting with still a lot of soil moisture in a lot of areas, particularly across northern Ohio, northwest Ohio. Uh, Northwest Ohio, the first week of May, saw an event of two to four inches uh, which has really probably slowed things down up in that region. Uh, but you just have to go, you know, a couple hundred miles south into southwest Ohio, where some areas have seen now just about 25% of normal, 30% of normal precip over the last 30 days. 
So that really speaks to the variability that we're seeing. Uh, with the cool, you know, the cooler temperatures that we've had, we've got average soil temperatures now, generally around 60 degrees. Um, and um, this is really allowing, you know, the emergence to take place as, as there's a good amount of heat in the soil and, and that sort of thing now. Uh, so that, that's where we are, and that's that really the, the, the wet conditions in the soil, uh, like I said, really played into those cooler conditions, and we don't really have any moisture deficit uh, issues or, or concerns at this time. Great. So, Aaron, what do you think the rest of May is going to look like? Yeah, so when we're looking at, you know, guidance for, for long-range forecasts, so we're looking out now from the mid-May to the end of the month, uh, confidence is pretty high that our temperatures are going to be um, a little above average. So we're looking at generally highs from the mid-70s to maybe low 80s throughout much of the month. Um, obviously, we can't forecast an exact number uh, 14 days from now, but, but our, our signals that we look at certainly suggest that conditions through the rest of May should be warmer than average. Um, as far as precipitation goes, there's not really a strong signal either way except in the southern half of the state. Um, There's some indication, most recent indication that may be a little bit elevated in terms of precip there, uh, but again not a really strong signal either way when it comes to the precipitation guidance. So what about kind of extended summer forecast looking out month and a half or so? Yeah, so summertime is, is a very difficult time for seasonal forecasting. Uh, when, when you're looking, you know, we're, we're basically a month and a half now or so from June, that June, J July, August period. Um, I would say our background trends, which is one of the indicators we use, is to be above normal. Uh, particularly when it comes to overnight lows, that we know that that's a long-term trend. So that's something that's always in the back of our minds in terms of what's going to happen this summer. Uh, the other uh, anticipated uh, event next year for our cold season would be the development of an El Nino. So there are some indicators, uh, some, some conditions that, that come on prior to an El Nino event, like much of the northern United States, often before an El Nino will have a cooler summer. So how much of that's going to impact the Ohio Valley region? That's some question coming in to this upcoming outlook. Um, but we certainly think uh, if we had to lean one way, it would be slightly higher confidence to warmer than average conditions, again, for those overnight lows. And with precipitation, you know, summer is highly variable, a lot of scattered, isolated, uh, scattered thunderstorms most of the time for our region. Uh, the Climate Prediction Center, which, which also use, you know, some model guidance, so the computer models to help uh, look at the seasonal forecast, are indicating maybe a slightly elevated in terms of above normal precipitation, so slightly higher confidence in above normal precip, but it's really hard to nail down exact numbers, you know, this far out. Have you looked at forecasts across the United States, um, the Corn Belt in particular? Is there similarities um, of what we're expecting here to there? Are they going to be drier or wetter than us? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the, the summertime uh, right now, according to the Climate Prediction Center, we would be a little bit wetter than, say, the Western Corn Belt region, where the signals aren't quite as strong. And again, depending on this development of El Nino next season and what we're going to see this summer, uh, parts of, of the upper Midwest and even northern Great Plains, they still have that opportunity for below average temperatures there, uh, which it's not a very strong signal, 
but that's also something to keep in mind. So I think uh, we're going to, again, lean toward warmer than average conditions most likely here um, with, with a little bit elevated confidence and higher precipitation compared to the western, say the western Corn Belt, Iowa and the Dakotas and such. Okay. So Aaron, when you're looking at these trends, are there any years historically that, that what we're looking at reminds you of? Yeah, so if we think about our La Nina seasons, um, you know, we can go back to 2012, certainly, uh, which probably strikes fear in a lot of people's minds across the Midwest uh, and much of the eastern United States, is that obviously was was a year we had a significant drought. Um, that was certainly, you know, here in Ohio, dry, warm conditions, especially later in the season. Uh, before that, you've got to go back to 2009, and that was a little bit different, uh, wetter, cooler conditions. Um which really, you, you know, when we when we look at El Nino as a signal, certainly it can give us some clues, but it's a much better predictor of our wintertime weather than it is our summertime. Um, summer just is is very it's highly variable. Uh, we know that the variability in our climate system is increasing, and so it makes it difficult to do these seasonal forecasts. But I but certainly we have to use the guidance that's that's available to us. Um, but those are the two years that come to mind. Um, again, I think, you know, this pat you know, the first half of May here has been pretty exceptional for a lot of areas of Ohio in terms of planting and maybe uh, with the strong emergence and strong development of roots, any dry weather we do see later in the season can be offset, you know, a little bit resilience from be, due to that. But um, yeah, so it, it, it's, you know, those are the two La Nina events that come to mind, but, you know, we don't, we don't get an event every year. We don't get an El Nino or a La Nina every year. So uh, you know, there's a lot of other climate factors that, that go into that. One of those being the soil moisture. How much soil moisture do you have in the season? And Ohio's looking pretty good right now. A little dry in the west, but looking pretty good right now. Aaron, you've, you've talked a lot about how this forecast would, would be compared to normal. Can you go into a little more detail about what is normal? Yes, yeah, certainly. So normal, um, you know, we use that term a lot. Uh, our normal temperatures and precipitation are based on a 30-year period. So right now we take the conditions that occurred on any particular day between 1981 and 2010. And you just take the means, the average over that, that period, and that gives your normal high, normal low, uh, that gives your normal precipitation for that date. And then you add that up for the month to get your average monthly total precipitation. So that's how we develop normal or, or other uh, term we use is average. So what's the average conditions over those 30 years? Now every 10 years that, that normal does slide, it changes, right? So uh, previously we were 1971 to 2000, now we're 1981 to 2010, and in 2021 we'll be 1991 to, 20, uh, to uh, 2020, right? So you, you do slide that normal, that 30-day window, when it comes to, to the National Weather Service and how they indicate normal conditions. Yeah, that's interesting because we definitely have seen some changes over the last um, several years. Is there a trend that you're seeing with those normals? Are they um, like summer normals increasing in temperature, precipitation events? What's that trend been like? Yeah, so we can talk about several trends that, that have happened and what we're seeing. And a lot of times what we do is we compare over a much longer period. So we compare, say, the changes between early 20th century with early 21st century. So that gives us a broader perspective. You know, if you think about what our parents and grandparents and how they were farming in the 50s and 60s, how is that different than what the conditions that we're seeing today? Uh, in Ohio, we are warming. 
uh, we're warming more during the wintertime than we are in the summertime. And our summertime warming trends have been overnight lows, have highly driven by, say, days where we are above 70 degrees overnight. And that has a lot of impacts in the ag sector in terms of, of, of crop production. So that is the strong precipit or the, the, the trend in terms of temperature. With precipitation, we, we do see our, our annual precipitation is increasing. Over those two time periods between the 21st and the 20th century, we see about three inches more a year on average than we did in that early 20th century. Strongly driven by fall precip, so we, we tend to see about an inch and a half more precip during the fall season than we did previously, and so that's challenging the harvest uh, season for sure. Uh, the other thing is that even though the annual precipitation is up and there's changes in the seasonal cycle, uh, the, the, whole, the whole hydrologic cycle has shown signs of, of intensification as well. So we're seeing stronger, more extreme precipitation events, singular events where you see more than two or three inch events, you know, punctuating maybe extended dry periods. Uh, but but we, we haven't, you know, seen any really large scale decadal type droughts like we did back in the 30s and the 50s. But we do get these intense dry periods punctuated by very heavy rainfall. And that's a whole new set of management questions as, as we move forward. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely been talking about that, especially when it comes to fertilizer management. Um, how do we deal with these strong rain events? Because mm -hmm. that seems to be what we get pretty frequently these days. Yeah, and I think it's also challenging, you know, things like erosion mm -hmm. um, and and healthy soils. It's, it's a challenge, I think, in all of those areas. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, at the Conservation Tillage Conference, you brought up the farm app. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, a couple of years ago, at the end of 2016, actually, Extension approached the State Climate Office of Ohio to uh, come up with a way or a tool to help farmers in their decision-making to remain compliant with SB1 regulations of, of fertilizer and manure application in Northwest Ohio. Um, over the last year, year and a half, we've developed a tool which we call FARM, the FARM app. Um, and one thing that became apparent is obviously there are a lot of tools that have been developed to help with nutrient management. Uh, from Onmark's record keeping to, to other uh, indices that have been used. One of the things that were, was really lacking and one, one thing that we wanted to stress was the ability to pull up a previous forecast so that you could go have a database that you could rely on that you can go back and say, you know, two weeks ago or, or two months ago, what was the forecast for that particular day? Um, and, you know, to, to get what the precipitation forecast was in terms of was it, you know, within the regulation or recommended limits. So we've developed the farm app that does that. It does other things as well. So, you know, a lot of your farming tools allow you to draw your fields and get your locations and you'll get a weather forecast but we also sort of break it down into, you know, based on those regulations, any point in the state really though, you can use those, those recommended limits and you can see, okay, so uh, do I have a green light or a red light based on those recommendations today? Uh, so we've added that in, into the, 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 um, the tool as well. Um, and then we're hoping to expand it to do a lot more. Uh, we, we've, did a lot of user testing. We wanted this tool to be something that the farmers wanted to use, uh, not just create a product out there and then beg people to use it. We want it to be useful. And so we, we've, we've developed it from that standpoint. So we, we've heard a lot of farmers talk about, 
well, I love wind conditions and, uh, you know, temperature inversion monitoring. And so they're, really the sky's the limit, I think, in terms of how we expect Farm App to continue to develop in the future. And where do we find it at? Yeah, so you can find the app at farm.bpcrc.osu.edu. Okay. Um, and you can sign up there. And then you can also, so you can view as a guest. Uh, you don't never have to sign in. Uh, if you don't want to, you can choose to sign in, then you're guaranteed to keep your fields uh, delineated and the conditions coming in. Um, and so you, so you have that option of an account or non-account. Um, and, and you can sign up there and you can use it, obviously, desktop or mobile platform as well. Awesome. Sounds great. What about other research activities you have going on? Yeah, so, um, you know, because I, I have this recent extension appointment, I think it's really, uh, it's been fun to kind of connect the dots between what State Climate Office is doing and extension as well. Obviously, temperature inversions and drift monitoring are, are some a key concern of extension in terms of educating on proper times of spray and that, and that sort of thing. So um, with the help of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub, uh, we've been able to secure some, some equipment that we're going to be putting uh, an additional temperature sensor on the OARDC weather system network that will then allow us to get temperatures closer to the surface and then also at three meter elevation or altitude rather above the ground surface. So when you have two different temperature measurements uh, throughout, you can get a profile and, and kind of monitor for, for temperature inversion uh, situations that will help then the farmer in terms of making the decision of whether to spray, safely spray or not. So that's a, a, another example that we're doing. Uh, we've also teamed up with um, Sustainable and Resilient Economies. We've teamed up with um, um, a couple other units here on campus, uh, risk and decision making. Uh, for this larger USDA uh, NIFA grant that, that we received, really working to integrate climate with farmer decision-making, uh, ecosystems, and also uh, re resilient economies to do an integrated modeling of a, approach for all of this. So we can think about things like food security, we can think about uh, ecosystems into the future with this climate component added in it, into it as well. And so... Uh, and then teaming up with farmer decisions and, and that whole decision-making process. So those are a couple of examples of work that we have uh, coming down the pipeline here. It's interesting. So what are some other resources available? People might be interested in learning more or following some weekly reports. Yeah, sure. So uh, the mission of the Climate Office really is, is to be data stewards to a lot of the different sectors in Ohio. But with, this, with Extension, we've really been able to incorporate and, and grow the ag side of things. So you can check out climate.osu.edu. That's our website. Uh, there you'll find um, weekly 30-day and 90-day anomaly maps for temperature and precipitation. Um, you'll also find a, a short 5- to 10-minute video blog on this week's uh, hydrological and also climate assessment there, as well as quarterly uh, climate summary. So any climate information that you want, you can find there. Uh, at our website. Again, that's climate.osu.edu. Great. Thanks. Well, Aaron, thanks for joining us today. I enjoyed learning about the weather outlook, and I'm excited to check back and see how accurate your predictions were. Well, thank you, and with any luck, I'll at least be half right. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. 
Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.